the text as it has been read. Thank you, Kathy, for that. Uh, was Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 30. And then I will spend some time in verses 36 through 43. Uh, the title that I want to give our sermon today uh, is Lost in the Weeds. Lost in the Weeds. So in the weeds is an idiomatic phrase uh, with different meanings, but it is synonymous with either being overwhelmed or intensely focused on a current problem. Uh, both suggest being lost in or entangled with the issue due to the imagery the words offer. Uh, in other words, when we find ourselves caught up in things that don't matter, um, in things that have no value, or things that don't get us close to the goals that we have set out to accomplish, we are lost in the weeds. I got a personal example. A couple weeks ago, if you remember, I was uh, preaching uh, for my dad for Father's Day. Uh, it happened to be uh, Juneteenth as well, and so he encouraged me to wear something thematic that celebrated the day. I decided I was going to wear all black. I had a black blazer and black jeans and black shoes and a black Juneteenth uh, themed t-shirt. And as I was making my way to my dad's church on the south side of Chicago, uh, as I typically do when I'm in the car, I'm spending time in prayer and I'm singing my worship songs and I'm getting myself excited about uh, the moment. And I happen to look down and notice uh, that the black shirt that I had so uh, meticulously picked out happened to be navy blue. Uh, if you know me, then you know me well enough to know uh, that that sent me into a panic uh, because I was not matching. Uh, and I started to freak out. I had all of this anxiety because I had on a navy blue shirt. All of a sudden, I wasn't praying anymore. I wasn't paying attention to the music. I wasn't doing any of the things that prepped my heart and my mind to deliver the word of the Lord. I was upset because my shirt was navy blue. It was in that moment I realized, brothers and sisters, that I was lost in the weeds. Uh, because what was more important than what I had on uh, was the word that the Lord had put on my heart to share that day. Uh, what was more important than make sure that I was coordinated from head to toe uh, was making sure that I was in the right mindset and spirit uh, to hopefully encourage somebody with the word of the Lord. Uh, that was the goal of the morning, but I had gotten lost in the weeds because I wasn't matching. Uh, that may be um, a simple illustration, and I can only speak for myself, uh, but the reality is if we take a larger look that we all can probably relate to times in our lives where we are set on a particular mission and something or someone comes and steers us off the course and we find ourselves lost in the weeds. Brothers and sisters, is that something that you can relate to or is it just me? Am I the only person that finds myself distracted, lost, uh, annoyed, uh, stuck in anxiety? Uh, you find yourself making mountains out of molehills? Do you find yourself easily thrown off course? Uh, do you find yourself sweating the small stuff? 
Uh, if you can say yes to any of those things, then you too have found yourselves uh, at times lost in the weeds. But I'm thankful for this text today, brothers and sisters, uh, because it puts a lot of this stuff in perspective for me. And I want to suggest uh, today that this text does two things. Uh, one, uh, this parable, uh, to some degree, encourages us. Because it serves as a reminder uh, that distractions will always come. There will always be weeds. There will always be things in our lives that come to throw us off the mission and to throw us off course. Uh, but the other thing, brothers and sisters, that this text does is encourage us and show us how to deal with them. If we look at our text today, uh, Matthew chapter 13 uh, sets the story or sets the stage uh, for a ministry of Jesus that was under attack. Many Jews and now Gentiles question uh, the validity of Jesus's messianic claim. And even his predecessor, his big cousin, his homie, the one who had baptized him, needed reassurance. Uh, he needed Jesus to reassure him like, hey, you. You are the one, right? You, you, you are the one who I was coming to make a way for. I was, I was preparing a way for you. You, you are it because something doesn't seem quite like we expected. I've said this to you before and I'll say it to you again that part of the problem that the Jews had uh, with the ministry of Jesus Christ is that they were expecting a military leader. They were expecting someone who was going to come and throw the Roman government and when they thought about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven they were looking at it through worldly lenses and so they expected God's kingdom to look like the kingdom they had already been a part of but it was just going to be that they were the ones in charge um, and so when Jesus came talking about the kingdom and it didn't look the way they thought it was going to look they were upset and to add insult to injury, that as he began to teach and teach with authority and teach with love for them to find out that the kingdom had already begun to be established, they were even more disappointed and distraught. What do you mean the kingdom of God is here and we are still under Roman rule? What kind of kingdom is this? I imagine people said. So even though Jesus had healed the sick, uh, even though he had made the blind to see, even though he had been feeding the hungry, even though he taught as one who had authority, they still doubted him because what Jesus was doing didn't look like what they wanted. Uh, what Jesus was doing didn't look like what they thought. And sometimes we can miss the miracle of what's happening in front of us because it doesn't look like we thought it was supposed to look. They were missing the kingdom because the way that Jesus went about inaugurating the kingdom didn't quite look like the way they thought. So it was for this reason uh, that Matthew writes his gospel. He focuses on Jesus as Messiah and he fleshes out what the kingdom of God is and lays out the characteristics of true disciples. Because that's what we are called to be, remember? We are called to be disciples and to make disciples. 
Like, yes, it's cool to be church members and members of denominations and all of the things that we boast about. But ultimately, at the root of it, we are supposed to be disciples of Jesus Christ. So we know, as we have been talking about parables the past couple of weeks, that Jesus often taught in parables and that it was where we find ourselves today. Uh, One of three parables that Jesus actually gave a title to, the parable of the wheat and the weeds. In this parable, Jesus tells the story of a man who sold good seed, uh, but while the servants were sleeping, the enemy came and sold weeds. The wheat and the weeds sprouted up together and the servants noticed something was off. And when the servants brought this to the master's attention, ironically, the master wasn't surprised. Nor did he panic. We see in the text when they told him he didn't have an emotional response. He didn't get distraught. He didn't go crazy. And what felt to me as an unexpected turn, the master told the servants to allow the, excuse me, the wheat and the weeds to grow together. And I got to be honest, I didn't quite understand this. Uh, if you're a person like me, if you, 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 you have ever had a lawn, uh, you can find yourself obsessed with weeds. Weeds are ugly. So why in the world would the master tell the servants to let the weeds grow with the wheat? Well, we know uh, that Jesus often used uh, stories or parables or agricultural uh, uh, stories because the people who were mostly farmers would understand uh, the language that he was using without much explanation. But here's something that I learned in this process. Uh, the weeds that Jesus was talking about in the story were very likely a particular type of weed called darnel. And darnel looked very much like wheat. As a matter of fact, commentators and theologians alike um, agree uh, that when darnel and wheat grow together in the early stages, you can't tell them apart. They, they look so similar that you can't tell them apart. And so as they start to grow, if you go to attack the weeds, you run the risk of damaging the wheat. If you go to pull up the weeds, you run the risk of damaging the wheat. If I was at my dad's church, I'd probably say, I could shout right there. I can shout right now because that imagery right there is so strong that you can get so caught up trying to pull out the weeds that you damage the healthy wheat. That you can get so caught up trying to destroy the weeds that you damage the harvest. Y'all will catch that <laughs> later. So, brothers and sisters, the danger is... While we are so focused on attacking and removing the bad seed, uh, we can find ourselves destroying the good seed as well. And so the master tells him to wait. He says, wait, we'll get to it in due time. Because once they're fully grown, 
once they reach full maturity, it's easy to distinguish the weeds from the wheat. And the master says that at that time, he'll tell the servants to go pull up all the weeds and burn them. It's got to be patient. If you're anything like me, it's easy to get caught up in the weeds. Especially when I think about the church and our primary mission of making disciples, it's easily to get caught up in the weeds because I find myself inundated with the many barriers we find standing in the way of being truly a healthy missional church. And sometimes I found that my focus has been on trying to attack or remove the things that seem to stand in the way. It's the obvious things like budget constraints and the fear or the lack that constantly challenges our faith that God will provide. God has always and will continue to provide, but sometimes we get so caught in the weeds, we get so caught up in fear that it makes us forget that God has been, is, and will always be a good God. That God will never leave us nor forsake us. That God has been there in our bad times and in the times when we thought that we were going to lose our minds and lose everything, that God was there to keep us in those moments. And so if God has always been there, why would he leave us now? Caught in the weeds. Sometimes it's my frustration now with this whole concept of Christian nationalism and the seeds that are being planted and sprouting up in our churches and taking root in our congregation, attempting an unholy union of marriage between the kingdom of God and America, which isn't biblical. Sometimes it's the frustration with the conversations around CRT and the seeds of doubt that make us feel like pursuing a ministry here on earth that reflects John's vision and revelation is somehow unbiblical. That somehow it's impossible for people of all nations to come together and worship the same God who died on the cross for all of us. The seeds of fear that make us feel like the new people are taking our place and that we don't matter anymore. That we've given our lives to a place or a thing for so long and now the new people are coming in and taking all the leadership roles and using up all the funds and now we don't have a place. Brothers and sisters, we can spend so much time dealing with this, worrying, fighting, debating, arguing. And if we allow it to, we can spend so much time trying to root out the weeds that we forget to nourish the good seeds. The good seeds that we constantly see children being discipled and children growing in their faith. We constantly see uh, the work that we are doing in our schools and in our neighborhood making difference in people's lives. We can get so lost in the things that aren't going right, we forget to celebrate and praise God for the things that are going well. Brothers and sisters, this text is encouraging us to not focus on the weeds, but focus 
on the week. I don't know what that means for you. I don't know what that means for your personal walk, but I imagine if we sat down and took an inventory of our life, there are probably areas in our life where we can say, hey, God, you've been trying to get me to, 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 to see this particular direction. You've been trying to get me to stay focused on the goal, but I keep getting distracted, and so I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not where you want me to be because I keep getting pulled in another direction because I'm focusing on the weeds, not the wheat. I don't know if you guys remember, maybe about a year ago, I was telling you about how jealous I was about my neighbor across the street whose lawn looked better than mine. You guys remember that story? And so I started spending a lot of time focusing on my grass and putting fertilizer down and mowing the lawn and edging and doing all of these things. And there was this one patch of weeds that sprouted up. And I was so distraught. So I would go out and kick it and pull it and try to mow it down. And you know how you can adjust? I just started cutting grass like in the last couple of years. You know, so you know how you can adjust the blade and so I'm making it as low as it can go and just grind it down. And after a while, what I noticed is that I had all of this healthy grass and this big patch of dirt because I had done so much damage to the area that the weeds were in that nothing was growing anymore. So my arch nemesis, my neighbor with the prettier lawn, had been watching this ordeal and he came across the street and he said, listen, I don't know if you know this or not, he could probably tell I was a novice. He said, um, healthy grass chokes out weeds. He said, healthy grass chokes out the weeds. But if you just keep nurturing the healthy grass, you just keep feeding the healthy grass, eventually the weeds will disappear. Because weeds don't like health. Weeds can't thrive in healthy environments. So if you just keep focusing on making the environment healthy, the weeds will eventually dissipate. I said, that'll preach. <laughs> See, what I realized in that moment, brothers and sisters, that I was focusing all of my energy on the weeds, and I ended up doing damage to the patch. And in a lot of ways, brothers and sisters, that is the church. Not just our church, not just the church down the street, but sometimes if we allow ourselves to stay out of the weeds and, and focus on discipleship and focus on the love of God and focus on the truth of the gospel and focus on the ministry of the word and focus on what God is trying to do, that as we grow in our faith, and our maturity, it'll become easier and easier to distinguish the mature, faithful Christians from the weeds. You know, I used to be bothered, but now I realize that when good stuff is happening, sometimes the weeds 
just dissipate on their own. We don't have to focus on the naysayers. We don't have to focus on those who are struggling in their faith. We don't have to focus on those who aren't alive. We just have to keep doing the work of the Lord. We have to keep struggling. We have to keep growing and developing in our faith and our discipleship. And what we will see is growth. This text, brothers and sisters, is so powerful. Because what it was trying to do or what Jesus was trying to do was get the disciples to understand that no matter what we do in this age or the next, that until Jesus comes back, there will always be weeds. The enemy will do everything that it can in his power to destroy the kingdom of God. It says that while they were in the house sleeping, the enemy came. The enemy's not going to attack when we're on our guard. The enemy's not going to attack when we are watching. The enemy comes like a thief in the night when we are not paying attention, when we are nursing broken hearts, when we are nursing disappointments, when we are nursing fear and begins to spread the seeds of weeds. And Jesus is telling his disciples it's going to happen no matter don't focus on that. Focus on me. Don't, don't focus on the weeds. Focus on the wheat. Focus on the gospel message. Our most significant kingdom impact can come from us putting our energy into continuing to plant seed that will help further establish the kingdom's presence on earth as we await the return of Jesus Christ. As we plant the seeds of humility and the seeds of purity and the seeds of righteousness and the seeds of accountability and the seeds of forgiveness and the seeds of reconciliation and the seeds of restoration and the seeds of faith and the seeds of hope and the seeds of love. We plant those seeds. And when the seeds of love that centered on Jesus Christ grow in us and through us and around us. The enemy won't have a chance to win. I believe it was Martin Luther King that said that hate can't drive out hate. Only love can do that. Only love can drive out hate. Only the love of Jesus Christ can drive out division. Only the love of Jesus Christ can drive out fear. Only the love of Jesus Christ can us something to hope in while the songwriter said that my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus Christ and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus name on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Brothers and sisters, Jesus through this parable is giving us a lesson that not only uh, helped the church then but is helping us now to remind us if we begin to change our focus Put it on Christ. Being motivated by the love of Christ. That we don't have to worry about the attack of the enemy. Because it's going to come. Focus on the weak. Focus on the good. Because good seed. Because the weed of the word of God will drive out the weed. So my encouragement for you, for us, for me, this is for me as well. 
let's stop focusing on the weeds. Because I wonder how much time we've wasted and how much energy we've wasted and how much growth we've missed out on and how many immature pieces of wheat that we plucked because we were trying to get the weeds. And the beautiful thing about the love of Jesus Christ and his redemption and the, his restoration is that even when we make mistakes or even when we err, we don't have to live there or stay there, but the forgiveness is there for us to say, you know what, we have learned, Lord, we're, we're sorry. Redirect us, change us, shape us, send us. So the stories of the past don't have to be the stories of the future. The mistakes of the past don't have to be the mistakes of the day. The lessons of the past don't have to be the lessons of tomorrow as we stand here today reminded of our mission to make disciples of all people, of all nations. Let us be like that wheat that has grown and been made mature because of the love of God. Through the message of the gospel, through the word of God, through our discipleship, through our study. So the weeds have no place. That, that, that we are so healthy and so in tune with God's word that weeds don't even survive here. Amen? You like that, that weeds can't even walk in the door. That, that, <laughs> that the fertilizer of God's word and God's love is so strong, you can't even get past the threshold in the house in they, in Naperville Covenant Church. You walk in, whoo, oh. <laughs> that the Holy Spirit is so thick in this place that those who are not on fire for Jesus Christ, uh, that those who are not coming and seeking and those who are not consumed or ready to be consumed by God's love have no power to destroy the work that God is doing in this place. Amen. And on the day of judgment, when Jesus comes back, I, I know what side I'm going to be on. And it's not going to be the side with the fire. I don't know about you. I'm not getting burned. I don't even like it when it's 75 degrees. Anyway. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm about to pray.